Ghosts are horny. Spooky. Revisiting female violence. <laughs> that could be any of these episodes. I, I hate to bring up bugs. <laughs> Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon. Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks. This is a John Winchester hate zone. Could have had okay. Killer Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. To be fucking racist. Persqueeter. Hi and welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Grimm. And I'm Allie. And we'll be your host for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. Hell yeah. <laughs> so instead of our regular check-in today, Jordan has a story for us. I do. So since there was a big emphasis on ghosts and technology... And they had specific mention of the spirit box. I wanted to tell a story of when I actually got to use a spirit box. And it's just slightly long-winded. So I just decided I'm taking over the check-in this week. So Good. I'm so excited. The story actually goes back to the year 2010. So we're kind of in this exact same era. Mm -hmm. But I went to a college that no longer exists. It's called Urbana University. It has since closed down. I didn't know um, that. Yeah, it got bought out by a local college here in Columbus, actually. And then they just decided to shut it down. Oh, huh. Okay. Yeah, which is really sad, actually, because it's in a very historic city. And it was kind of a cool college to go to because it was in the middle of the woods. Like, it had, like, a long path you had to drive down to actually yeah. get to it. So you were very removed. And the college itself was a pre-Civil War hospital. So it's hundreds so cool. of years old. Wow. It is a very historically haunted site. It's one of probably the most haunted places in at least Ohio. Not even just the um, university, but the town itself is incredibly haunted. Mm-hmm. Growing up kind of close to the area and then going to school there, um, of course, there's a lot of local urban legends and lore that got passed around. How I experienced this was when I was there, I was on a student team where specifically we were in charge of finding events for the university. Usually we had like local improv comedy troops or hypnotists or things like that that would come in and do assemblies. And luckily our school, it was barely larger than our high school. It was a very small private college. I want to say like maybe 600 students went to that college. Wow. Yeah, very tiny. But one time we brought in a psychic and ghost hunter. Oh, I, shit. It was That's awesome. awesome. And he kind of gave a lecture on ghost hunting and what it was like. Um, and I, psychic is a strong word. He called himself an intuitive. But a ghost hunter, specifically a ghost hunter who deals with technology, was like his mm-hmm. field of study. He was also supposedly on Sci-Fi and Discovery Channel. Do you know his name? I do not. I tried to research him last yeah. night. I could not find, but he was a... He kind of had like that lead singer of Nickelback vibe. Like, he kind of dressed a little, like, mid-2000s, kind of, like, I don't want to say... Cargo pants? Yeah, yeah, kind of, like, I'm not a goth, but I wear dark things. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and um, he had long blonde hair. I do remember that. 
So, he gave an assembly, and he specifically taught us about the spirit box. And now there's a ton of spirit box apps and things like that, but at the time, like, the spirit box was only known as something that Thomas Edison was trying to advance. Right. And so he actually had one, and how he procured it, according to him, was he had been on a forum, and he was trying to create and reinvent the self, but he had no success, and so anyone he had talked to kind of had not had very much success recreating this spirit box that Thomas Edison had created. Until one day, he got a message on this forum, and someone said, like, stop trying to make this. I've already made it. I've perfected it. It's done. And he was just like, I'm interested, not because I believe you, but because this sounds so insane. It would at least be a good laugh to go see this random person's from Craigslist spirit box that he invented. So he ended up going... And the guy had actually made him one because, like, he had he had known of this guy because he was kind of a authority in the field. And he's like, "Listen, I'm gonna give this to you." And he was like, "Okay, whatever." And um, he ended up taking it home. And I guess they had put it in their office as like decoration, as something to just kind of like look at this kind of weird tchotchke thing that no one really cared about until supposedly one of the interns was there alone at night like closing up their little shop mm-hmm. it had turned itself on and they had heard the voice of a ghost teaching another younger ghost how to use the spirit box that's so fucking weird wow yes so he gave us this assembly he explained what a spirit box was he did some demos and then he said he was going to take six students and this was a packed assembly like there was probably 400 people in this room and he chose six people that could go on this tour and i luckily was one of the people chosen i would have died of joy it was an incredibly fun night so pretty much what he was going to do is he had a little table the spirit box was pretty big Mm -hmm. and wooden the way this university was set up is that there were four buildings, and they were all pretty far apart from each other. So we were going to go to each building, and we were going to use the spirit box. He let us know beforehand he did no research on the local lore, which I since that day have done research into the things that we heard that night. And a lot of it is local, like, legend, but not anything that there's, like, articles written about, you know? Um, There are famous hauntings where there are in Urbana, but not of the things that we had dealt with that night. And so what we did was we went to Math and Science Building, and that originally was used as a hospital during the Civil War. And still to this day, there are hundreds of bodies buried in the basements of that building. That's so creepy. Yeah, yeah, uh, there was pretty much um, unclaimed soldiers. They didn't know where to send them, so they just buried them on site. Jeez. And so that was the first one, and we started using the spirit box, and when he turned it on, immediately hundreds of voices started coming through and i was just like how would he do that because we thought like maybe there's someone in a van who's like you know talking through this right and the spirit box was definitely a lot clearer than the oh my gosh ones that use now yeah and um there was hundreds of voices there were people like can you tell my wife where i am Mm -hmm. where am i how am i here like things like that so we just kind of had to leave because we couldn't really decipher, but we also did a lot of flash photography and stuff, and we found hundreds of orbs in that building as well, like clear as day and photos. Wow. So it was a lot of fun. Then we went to the art building, and the local lore there was back in the 1950s. A young girl was going to college there. 
it wasn't working out for her. She was depressed, and um, she ended up hanging herself in the attic of the art room. This is in the woods, and it was kind of creepy. So there was a lot of stories about this building in particular, specifically that on a stormy night, you would see the visage of a woman hanging from a rope through the attic window. But we go in there, and this time it's only one spirit. It's a woman's voice, young, like younger girl. And she just wants to gab. She literally just wanted to gossip about the girls. Like, that go to college here. And she was like, it was just a voice like, the clothes women wear these days. Like, she just kept saying stuff like that. She's like, you wouldn't believe it. And then we had a girl, um, I'm going to change her name, not that it matters, but um, I'm going to say her name was Cindy, who was also picked to be on this tour. This campus was small, so everyone was in each other's business. Cindy was not really well-liked. She just was kind of... It's kind of, like, mean to say, but she was kind of, like, a wannabe popular girl and an overachiever, and she was just kind of snooty. And um, the uh, box just kept saying, ooh, there's this girl Cindy with you. No one likes her. They'd say mean things about her when she's not around. Oh, my gosh. Into the spirit box. And she just kept wanting to talk about her (laughs) in particular. So we actually had to have her leave the building to get anything else out of the spirit. The last building we went to was kind of scary because it was the building that I spent all of my time in because I was in school on a music scholarship. It used to be the student union, but it was where all of the music stuff and the theater would um, meet in there as well. And there was a lot of rumors about this one. The first was that about 10 years ago, there was a lunch lady who had a heart attack and died in this room, and um, she only spoke Spanish, which will be relevant to the story later. There also, two years before I started school, so like in 2006, 2007, a student died in a car accident and her girlfriend was going to school at Urbana and she was totally devastated. Like I had friends who were friends with her yeah. and they were like, she just never got over it. And she was um, a practicing witch. Yeah. And of course probably goes into the satanic panic. But the room, the rumor was is that her and two of her friends had a seance in that building Aww. and they accidentally caught it on fire <laughs> two years prior. Like, oh, this is true. And supposedly a pentagram had been burned into the floor and there was a rug and the rug had carpeted up. I had never lifted up the rug to see if there was a pentagram there. And I'm sure a lot of it was just a rumor, especially saying a lesbian couple is like a pair of witches is like an old stereotypical trope. Yeah. So we go in there and we turn on the box and this time we hear two voices. One is just like, help, help, help. I don't know how I got here. I'm stuck here. Help. And then another voice comes through, and it's just, like, gargly, and it's not very clear, and it's speaking in a different language. And then someone immediately is like, well, there's a lunch lady who died here, only spoke Spanish. Is it Spanish? And then another, like, we're listening in, and then another kid is like, that's not Spanish. That's Latin. Uh... So this voice is just, like, speaking Latin, and then the... um, investigator was like leave we are leaving now yeah. it's like i'm coming back and dealing with this alone later oh my gosh um and so that's kind of where it ended but supposedly there was a demon in the bedroom wow yeah i tried everything i could to google when you were telling that story who this yeah. was he said i want to say he was not like a regular cast member yeah. on like any of these sci-fi or discovery yeah. channel ghost shows but i think he was like a person that they would bring in like to yeah. yeah. Oh I even was like Urbana College Ohio events. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I looked up like Ghost Hunter with long yeah. blonde hair and I just kept getting the same woman. Yeah. I wanna say his name was Chris. 
so I might be wrong. Was Chris Angel? He's also yeah. Magician. It was just Chris. Oh Angel. my god! We were like going through with a spare box, and we would turn around, and he had just locked himself in a tank of water again. And oh my god! Like, not, not again, Chris Angel. <laughs> yeah, no, that was my little experience with spare box. It was a lot of fun. That's very cool. Um, mm-hmm. And also, we're going to do a ghost podcast sometime this summer, right? At some point. So, if you want more spooky stories from Jordan, yes. Ta-da! Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we don't have time till summer, so. Wow. Maybe, maybe even then. Yeah. Yeah. Don't hold your breath, but add us <laughs> if you're interested. Yes. Are there stories you want to submit? <gasps> yes, them to yes, yes. Send them to me. Today's episode is Season 3, Episode 14, Long Distance Call, the one where the boys racially profile. This episode was written by Jeremy Carver and directed by Robert Singer and originally aired on May 1st, 2008. We actually are back to a traditional cold open, which we haven't had in a very long time, yeah. it feels like. It's, it's been a minute. A good one, too. I'm so-so on it, but it's yeah. okay. I think it's unremarkable, but it does really interesting things with like the tone. Like, I love the big storm. Yes. And the way the ideas of, like, storms and electricity and Mm -hmm. all of that are connected to, like, technology. And, like, it made me think about, like, Frankenstein and stuff. I was thinking a lot about the classic, like, late 19th century Mm -hmm. sci-fi throughout. That's how I felt about this episode. Like, it's back to, like, very traditional vibes in the cold open. And that's why I liked the storm, the kind of, like questioning and you have a few things going on like you're not sure mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we just needed the Phantom of the opera piano uh, true right exactly also the obsessive phone calls like mm-hmm. yeah yeah it has an additional creepiness factor mm-hmm. like on an interpersonal level yeah shaz just really wants to get a hold of someone <laughs> <laughs> so we can then cut to um sam and dean I love how they fill us in on their hunt for info about Dean so quickly. Yes. Um, yes. I thought it was so effective. We don't need dragged out again. Just the professor knows crap and then it's all right. me to know right. that end. Yeah. And Dean being like, well, we've talked to every this, that, and the other. Yeah. Nobody knows anything. We're on a case yours. I actually really like that line. Same. Because it turns out they kind of are. Yeah. Throughout like in this episode, the big the big case is is John calling Dean. Mm-hmm. So like so yeah. He doesn't know how great he is. Exactly. I also really enjoy here that like this revelation that Ruby can't actually do anything for Dean comes out kind of offhandedly. Yeah. Like I feel like most of the time when there's these big revelations, there's like huge conversation and explosive fighting, but they're just so worn down, I think, that it makes sense for it to just be like, well, she can't help it either. So let's just fucking go. Yeah. Yeah. Like tonally it works. You're gesturing with your hands up. And that's exactly how this scene feels. It's like a yeah. hands in the air, like, what right. are we going to do? Right. Got to move on. Right. Like, at least, like, use their time productively. Mm-hmm. And we got the boys in town. The boys back at town. Boys back at town. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I guess I'm still feeling kind of musical from, from episode 13. There. Well, this episode I kept saying, take me home <laughs> to the place that I belong. Milan, Ohio. <laughs> oh, for some reason I thought you were going to start singing Country Roads. Well, that is it, yeah. Oh, but I just Milan, really... 
I just really didn't recognize. You might need to take some uh, some singing lessons. I just shout, shout sing at y'all. I never yeah. actually sing. I feel bad because I'm just like... Really, you sing like an old lady at church. Oh, that would be funny. <laughs> like a like a very warbly vibrato. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you guys notice the music throughout this episode? No, I noticed no. it at first, right here at the beginning when they um, get into the town to like start talking mm-hmm. to people. It's very, it's like kind of like low key Danny Elfman vibes throughout. I have no idea what that is. Okay, so like Danny Elfman does the he has the band Oingo Boingo. But also does all the music for Tim Burton movies. And The Simpsons. Oh. And The Simpsons, yeah. And the Tim Burton ones in particular really feature this, like, heavy, dark percussion with, like, a lot of quick, um, light string work mm. and, like, sometimes some, what is is it pizzicato? Yeah. The plucking. And there was a lot of that this episode. I just, like, because the music is so... It's either, like, this dad rock stuff or, like, it sort of feels like bland procedural music a lot. It stands out to me when it's different, and it was different here. Fair. I'm not really sure about the creative (laughs) intention of placing the style of music in, but I like it, and if they kept it forward, I would be happy. (laughs) Yeah, we kind of, like, just get into it, though. Like, we go to Milan, Ohio, and we're just, like, immediately knocking on doors. Right. I like how there's the mystery of, like, if he's a cheater, uh, the guy, yeah. once he dies, mm. um, his wife's like, was he calling someone? Like, we don't know as an audience, but also she thinks he was talking on the phone to someone named Linda. But we get still the, like, creepy vibe with the um, phone being unplugged. That yeah. little detail. Well, and when she picked up the line, there wasn't anyone there except him talking. Yeah. yeah. Very weird. I also love, again, like, the weird 19th century phone number. Yeah. Yeah. Shaz. Yeah. Do you, you think the three was a Z? It was SHA-33. Yeah. But yeah, I, I was thinking, Shaz. I was thinking, like, could that be some sort of code for something? And I just um, let it go because I don't think they were actually thinking yeah. that no. hard about it. I think it was just meant to look weird. Yeah. Well, look weird, but also, again, like, connecting this idea of mm-hmm. the beginnings of horror sci-fi. Yeah. Because that's really what that was all about. Mm -hmm. The tension between faith and technology. Yeah. That's true. And we get the the classic, like, horror sci-fi. She's been dead for 20 years. Right, right, right. (laughs) Do we want to talk about the racism right now? Yeah. Since this is pretty much where it happens. Like, they they get Mm -hmm. to the phone company pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. So Stewie Myers is the South Asian guy that they have. And like, wow, could they have made him into more of a caricature? Indian characters are often presented as being like kind of bumbling and kind of disheveled or like unkempt. Like you often see like in American media, like if they show India, it's like really dirty, poor people. So that was the first thing I thought of. And then I think there's something about um, showing a person of color being really, like, hypersexual at, yeah. that feels like a very particularly American racism thing. Although yeah. it tends to be more directed at black men. But I still – you still get the, like, oh, like, men of color are, like, out to get our white women yeah. kind of vibes from all of the, like, porn images yeah. going on. 
And I just and like of course also he's a tech guy because that's yeah. what South Asian people do. Yeah, the tech and the like not getting our social standards is like right. what really stood out to me in the racism of how he's portrayed. Using the place as being like unhygienic and then like mm-hmm. making him seem unhygienic is such like a ah oh, gosh I hated it. It made me like my blood boil when I saw that. Right. Well, and I just think back to like as a kid, like my dad always used to make weird comments about mm. like his Middle Eastern and like South Asian professors from college like smelling bad and stuff because oh they gosh. have different standards of washing. And like also like the way people talk about like Asian food in yes. particular and how stinky it is. Yeah, and eating like with their hands yes. and everything and exactly it just like all of that all of those um horrible insidious like microaggressive well, things from my childhood just flooded back. And like last episode I had talked about like using stereotypes and like subverting them because it's like oh he's not the one who had the flies around him it was actually the monster i don't really care in this yeah, case right like, it's just not because they spend so much yeah. time trying to convince you yeah. and and they don't discount things about him like he is still in the, this character is like unkempt yes. gross in food habits and watching porn out in the open like those things right. don't go away if he's not the monster right yeah. and they did on top of that they did everything they could to make him seem like really pathetic too yes. yeah. and then i guess while we're at it too we have the second mention of or at least in my mm-hmm. mind it might be the third of the busty asian beauties it's horrible it it's is. like i was saying earlier before you got here Allie. it's mm-hmm. like they were like we didn't make this scene racist enough <laughs> so let's take a shot at southeast yeah. asian women while we're at it yeah there's so much to unpack and it's all bad right i do like that dean kind of has like an adhd interest in porn and he's like oh someone yeah. i could talk to porn with yeah and it- <laughs> Like, I don't, are there really that many people who are like, by the way, that porn that you like, let me tell you more about it. God, I hope not. <laughs> like, is that a thing that people do? Am I just like so sheltered from like cis guy culture that. Imagine walking into someone's work, they're watching porn, and your comment is, yeah, that's a good site. You should get the platinum yeah, you membership. Should, you should get premium. What the fuck? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's just Dean being a massive weirdo. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's not normal, right? No, it's not normal. Also, if you're going to pay for porn, like, a website like that is so sketchy. Mm-hmm. Go for a place that people who run it are the ones in charge of it. Right. Like, the people in it are the ones in charge right, of it. Right, right. Yeah. I knew what you meant. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, Dean. Despite that, I still kind of liked Dean in this scene because he was doing his endearing I'm getting into my role thing. Yes. Where he was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to nail this corporate douchebag role. Yeah. He's like, "Mm, I could be a hard ass, too. Yeah. I just like his little face when he turns around and looks to Sam for approval. Like, Mm -hmm. ha. Too bad Sam was too interested in being racist to <laughs> right. give any validation to Dean. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'll get to this later, but I just don't understand the jump. The jump? Uh, like, they, they're they like, oh, it's the South Asian creature. I met a South Asian man. <laughs> right. Like, right. The usual Coincidence? I think not. Yeah, he's just like, no, I'm going to corner him with a knife. <laughs> right. Messed up. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. 
I think in between here, I didn't make any notes of, about it, but I think in between here, Sam talks to mm-hmm. the family with the, the dead mom. Oh, is it? Oh, yes. Yes. Her he, name is, um... Uh, is it Kylie or Kelly? Carly? Something? I don't think I have it in my notes, actually. The reason, yeah, sorry. right? <laughs> right? Yeah, this felt weird. Yeah, it did feel weird. Like, like they have the one-off joke, joke, quote-unquote, that Dean makes it about it when he's, like, really mad at Sam. And, like, it's flippant, yeah, but it's, he's not, like, wrong, yeah. really, to be like, Sam, don't go spend time alone with a teenage girl. And, like, when he's, like, trying to convince her that he can help, it felt like, am I on Sam's side? Do I right, I didn't like, I didn't like that he was in her bedroom. Yeah. I also didn't like that we go from the stereotype of a racist caricature and then we get into the supernatural nuclear family, which is uh, two kids, a dad, and the mom's dead. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how they could have made that work better. I'm very torn about that um, little side story because they need it to give them more clues first off. But second, um, it it also ties together more ideas about evolving technology. Mm, I think it's very important for them to show that, like, it's not just phones. It's the fact that we're moving into instant messaging and, like, video chatting and stuff like that. True. Um, And that the way that the supernatural has already infected the kind of technology that we had is going to continue to do those things with our growing technologies so like it's interesting and i i just for whatever reason i was just this side story i just did not care about it it was hard to make me care why couldn't we get the story that's just mentioned of dean getting an old woman who has fun phone sex with her dead husband oh yeah that would have been great (laughs) that would have been so funny um and then we get our papa winchester (laughs) this part of the episode like this whole aspect Mm -hmm. of it um really fucks me up and i know there's so many things that are horrible about this episode Mm -hmm. but i think this is really efficient and deft at tying together a lot of content from Mm -hmm. early in the Mm -hmm. series and making it relevant again in a way that does not feel forced yeah and as much as I hate that we always go back to the dad. I did like it in this episode because I thought right. I actually did something. And it's right. like, what is the one thing that would make Dean trust the person on the other side of the call? Right. If he thinks it's a ghost and he thinks it's his dad. Like, that's the one chance and the one believable reason for um, him to get too involved. Right. Yeah, I actually agree. I really liked the idea mm-hmm. of the storyline. I really wish we just pushed it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of wish this was not the subplot and was the main plot. Oh, yeah. That would have done a lot more for me. Mm-hmm. Right, if there was focus on, like, Sam double-checking the things that mm-hmm. Dean gave yes. him from the call. It that made the monster cool. take a real backseat, because the monster yeah. was awful. We find out that this is the birthplace of Thomas Edison. And Thomas Edison did make a ghost phone. And I'm pretty sure it's called Dial-A-Ghost. That's really hilarious. And from a a magazine, I believe, that was advertising it, it said, Tiny pencil of light coming through a powerful lamp, bored through the darkness, and struck active service. And anything, basically, 
anything that got in the middle of it was disrupt the light. So that mm-hmm. was like the test if something could stop the light and get in there. Um, and it didn't work. Right. People sat around for hours and nothing happened. Oh, no. Um, which is so awkward. But for years, people thought this was a joke because it sounds so fucking stupid. <laughs> Until um, someone found Edison's journal in a thrift store. <laughs> wow. And wow. That's how we know it was a joke. But I would love to be the guy who's like, oh my gosh, Thomas Edison's notebook. We can discover so much. And then it's a ghost phone that doesn't work. Yes. Well, we already know he was kind of a fraud anyway. And true. Yeah. I still think, like, this whole concept is a red herring is so fun and exciting. I I really agreed. Yeah. Especially because, like, you know, in other episodes, I feel like there are red herrings that are, like, a little too obvious mm. or are just confusing. But this one is, again, connected to these classic themes. This would have been yeah. made around that same time. And I think, like, the idea of um, spiritualism, which we've talked about in previous episodes, I think it was No Exit that we talked about that. Yeah, I think so. I think so. That was season two, episode six, I want to say, or seven. Oh, I have no idea. One of those. Six or seven in season two versus this idea of unquestioning faith. Yeah. You know, it's so perfect. It's just like the the little thing in the center that pulls everything together. And the location, like how could it be a happenstance? Like Right, right. It just yeah. lines up really well and them on the tour is so them mm-hmm. that it really seems like this is like a valid way it could go. Right. Then we get back to more Papa Winchester. More John. Say it. See, I want to know all of your thoughts on this, no. Jasper. I have so many thoughts about this. What? Okay, so like John calling Dean in this episode absolutely fucks me up. I know it's I know it's fake. But like I'm thinking about like it's it's not just I think it was in Scarecrow when Sam was like, I I don't understand your um your blind faith in the man or whatever. And he brings up specifically that idea of blind faith here. And like the connection to Dean and the act of calling their dad almost as a form of prayer, which we talked about in season one as well, because his dad doesn't fucking answer the phone. It, it's he's literally just sending messages out into the ether. And before he was ghosting, now he's literally ghosting. Oh my god, Ali, so bad. <sighs> Never change. <laughs> I'm sorry. Keep going. No, no, no. Uh, don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. Like they can't get they can't get through to him even when Dean is dying. They can't get through to him when they're back in their childhood home. But phone calls are still the main form of communication for a huge portion of Dean's adult life with his dad. But they're just this one-way connection. And here it's the opposite and it's fake. And we know it's fake just like in uh Devil's Trap in season 1. Because the yellow-eyed demon said he was proud of Dean. Mm-hmm. And here, John, on the phone, who's actually the Krakata, says, I love you. Mm-hmm. <sighs> There's no way. And it's just, like, soul-crushing. Like, yeah. I think the first time I watched that, I was like, oh, it's not him. Yeah. Like, they sort of leave it up in the air for a second. But as soon as you hear that, you just know. Because Dean never received that kind of affection or validation, affirmation of feeling from his dad. It seems like John Winchester in this, like, waits for Dean to be at the moment where he truly needs that father figure. And he right. truly needs that yeah. Like acceptance and someone to solve his problem. Right. 
And it's fucking heartbreaking that we don't get that. Yeah. No, it's really sad. And just to talk about, like, the the faith in connection with Mm -hmm. spiritualism, like I mentioned before, they're both largely about seeing what you want to see. Yeah. And, like, hearing what you want to hear. This scene in particular was so dialed in, pun intended, to the the series as a whole that I was, like, expecting more of this throughout Mm -hmm. the rest of the episode. And I feel like this and the final scene this is like all we got true i guess after this it kind of the episode kind of felt like a slog to me yeah i think there is some running back and forth mm-hmm. like with the the girl's little brother that mm-hmm. i didn't really care about it but like messy. i said i didn't i didn't care about that as much but i think that's like a pacing thing yeah. and like having that next to this very serious mm-hmm. character stuff is a little wobbly like mm-hmm. it's hard for me to want to care about like a one-off teen girl who's upset about her mom mm-hmm. when we have literally maybe John Winchester calling from beyond yeah. the grave. Yeah. It's difficult. Well, what makes me sad is, like, Dean's phone calls with his dad have been, like, prayers that have never been answered. And it's like, mm-hmm. we flip them. So now Dean is getting messages, but he's not responded to any of them. Like, it's just the scenes are him listening. I, wanted, right. I would like to hear him have a That's conversation true. with Krokoa dad. Well, he tried to. Yeah. There was the the conversation where John the Krakata said, I love you. And Dean was like, well, I was doing what you told me to. And yeah. like, what yeah. else was I supposed to do? I do like that he admits being stuck. I, I, there's something like really cruel about this particular game that the Krakata is playing. Because yeah. the other ones are just like getting people to kill themselves. But... This manipulation of getting, like, two strangers to kill each other and, like, you know, convincing Dean he's talking to his dad and he's mm-hmm. going to save him and all this stuff. Ooh, jeez. Giving Dean hope before you kill him. Yeah. yeah. And then it's, like, suddenly where it feels like scream. Like the, here's technology, here's teenage girl. It just doesn't, it doesn't fit in that order. Right, right. Yeah. And I like, wonder if fun. I wonder if some reordering of the scenes mm-hmm. would have helped. Mm-hmm. Maybe if Dean had been in at least one of the scenes with mm-hmm. the the girl with the dead mom, that might have helped. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Something. it's difficult because I think there's a lot of things that work really well together, but like it's just not stitched together quite correctly. Yeah, we get these fun horror, like the younger kid, the son. Yeah. Um, he is filmed often from behind, which is very reminiscent of The Shining. Right. Um, he And he has almost the same hair and haircut. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I think there are these, like, fun horror elements and, like, again, with the technology evolving, like, that's such a fun new way. But it just, it, it didn't do it in a way that made this interesting. <laughs> right. Right. Which is sad. Like, the callbacks to old technology were far more interesting than than the new technology and the evolution of technology. And they had a lot of opportunities. Right. Totally. Yep. It is sad that Dean is so easily manipulated into going to kill some rando. I would say that this is definitely a moment of character regression for Dean. Yeah. But would... and, And, you know, I think it's better than being static because it's movement. Regression is always more interesting than no change. Yeah. Um, but I think it's especially interesting because he snaps himself out of it. Yep. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. Like he doesn't uh 
there's really no intervention from Sam or anyone. Mm-hmm. He figures it out on his own. And I think that's very vital. It's also, okay, I do like the fun part of, like, you go to kill this monster, and then the monster's like, what the fuck, I'm trying to kill you? Like, it's such, like, a miscommunication. Right. Murder. Right. I I think there's something really um, horrifying about having the, like, the guy crying and screaming at him, like, why did you kill my daughter? Yeah. Yeah, and, like, there's so few instances where you'd understand why that guy is, like, full throttle ready to kill Dean and this just works so well. Yeah. Right, right, right. Totally. What did we think? I mean, obviously we hate that Sam attacked Stewie in the parking lot and everything involved in that. What did we think of the the general face off with the crocata? Hated it. Yeah. It sucked. So my thing is is like this is a monster that's uses manipulation to find its victims and then now it's growing claws and stabbing people and right. I'm just like it's very inconsistent. I like the teeth, but that was about it. I, I don't the like teeth. the teeth because I feel like Supernatural only does one kind of mm. monster teeth when they're humanoid. Yeah, true. I like them for the sole reason that is like the only thing that matches the crocata pretty much. Well, there are two things. Tell us about the crocata. I would love to. It's also called the lucracatas. Lucracatas. <laughs> lucracatas. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, this is so hard to pronounce. But it looks like a large dog or a mule. Yeah. This man did not look like any of that. Nope. Yeah, because it's like a hyena making yeah. the weird human noises. Literally. As a matter of fact, the teeth was more reminiscent of a Mortal Kombat character. True. Oh my god. It, or it mainly looks like a hyena, but it has hoofs, a horse's mm-hmm. mane, and a lion tail. I love the mashup. We love a chimera. Yes. And it is from India and Ethiopia, mainly, are most of the reports. And to be fair, the India report is from a pope who was colonizing India. But it said it was a lion and tiger combined is what it looked like. So is this just a liger? Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> oh, shit. I could not get that past that. That's making me think of, like, the Sphinx, then, too. Oh, true, true. I wonder if there's some sort of connection there. Yeah. This is, okay, this is such a cool, I wish they had done this, because it's such a fucking cool creature. I think it's technically a cryptid. Yeah. And it can shift its colors, and it is genderless and can shift between genders. Perfect. So cool. Trans icon. It is not only a trans icon, it also eats humans and instantly digests them. Oh, wow. Yeah. And in all the stories, like, it's very hard to see how you could kill it because in almost all the stories, um, th- it kills the humans and the humans die in the end. I love that. Incredible. Yeah. Slay bitch. And right. oftentimes, so it's supposed to be really tricky. And this is the part they kind of did get right with the voices. And I do like the idea of specifically voices of the dead because that would be even more moving mm-hmm. um, to someone even more so than hearing voices of people you could could just call you up right um but they were supposed to be super smart and like when people were in the woods cutting down trees and gathering wood it was said to like lurk in the bushes listen to them calling for each other learn that call and then call for them right which is such a good fucking setup Mm -hmm. that's so creepy 
Yeah, well, and I mean, they kind of did something similar mm. to that, like the Crocotta calling Sam on the phone. Or, yeah. Yeah, as Dean. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just love that. And, like, we get such a good character with the trickster like this to me. Like, while the trickster feels like chaotic neutral, this feels like chaotic evil. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that. Like, and make make this person shape shift into all different types of people. Yeah. Right. It can shift into all different things. Why not? Yeah, right. I think, like, mashing this up with the technology is really where they got it wrong. Yeah. Well, really? actually, they got a lot more True. wrong than that, but, like... I, I don't it know. it could have gone right, but it didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I think the concept is really good and mm-hmm. makes a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the whole idea, and so this is moving kind of into the Crocodas, this is my evil guy scheme Let's go. speech. I actually really like most of it. I love the idea that it's like, oh, like technology has been so good for humanity, but it's also been so good for monsters. Yeah. Like our culture, our means of survival also change because of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really interesting. I I think it's just – somewhere else in the execution i don't that it got weird um and i even i even really like because this creature it's like like a soul eater Mm -hmm. in this that's how they contextualize it there so there's this implication that like communications companies so like internet and phones and what have you are are um leeches that are mining your data Mm -hmm. and i think that (laughs) That was a very relevant fear at the time. That's a very yeah. relevant fear now. Like I say even more now. Even yeah. Th- yeah, even more now. And uh they even had some, you know, pretty healthy paranoia about identity theft yeah. going on. Which like at the dawn of like the internet and social media and like people really starting to get used to it and having to navigate what is safe and what isn't safe online. I I don't know. I really I really liked that. Mm-hmm. And how technology undermines uh, people's ability to stay safe even as it brings them together. Mm -hmm. Now, what I really fucking hated about this scene is I I wrote down this line because it makes me so mad and I hear all this crap still now. You're all so connected, but you've never been so alone. This is the most fucking boomer ass bullshit. Like, (laughs) this is so dumb. Like, do you not understand that there's like real community and like, it, it, like creating community, maintaining community internationally? Mm -hmm. Like, there, there are people I am like as close with online Mm -hmm. as I am in person. It's it's such a, a false and overwrought narrative. It just yeah. makes me mad to have to hear it. And, you know, having a decade of hearing it over and over oh again God. since this episode came out has not endeared me to it anymore. <laughs> I think it's made it worse as we start to realize the benefits of technology. And yeah. That acceptance of it becomes widespread. And, like, you can't tell me that back then when Thomas Edison was making um the phone or claiming all these things. Mm-hmm. Um you can't tell me that those fake ass socialites were better connected. Like there was no true connection there. Right. I just I don't understand it. It's kind of like is what you make of it. Stop being so fucking ignorant. Right, right. And I think there's a lot to be said too for like the amount of time and like physical effort that you have to go through in order to spend time in person with people versus like 
you know, if you're tired at the end of a work shift and you can't drag your ass off your couch because your feet hurt, you can still call someone on the phone yeah. and spend time with them. And specifically in America where our land is not set up to be communal. Right. We're not set up to have these communal spaces or communal times. Yeah. No, we're not. Yeah, we're more like making do rather than being like impeded by our use of technology. Yeah. Like, right, right. Yeah. It, it has very little to do with technology and a whole lot more to do with a culture in which people's time is capital for a handful of assholes on Wall Street. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, it, it's just, it's the construction of our society, not the fact that we have social technologies. Yeah. So this whole scene, like, just totally impedes itself uh, by even bringing this up. Yeah. So I'm like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. Just make monsters be like, this is fucking awesome, and it is for me, too. Yeah, just leave it there. there. That's that's all you have to say. Or have a human call MTV Catfish. <laughs> <laughs> Show that we all have advantages in our technology. Oh, my God. You're about to meet Linda. <laughs> Your dead girlfriend. <laughs> But will it really be Linda who shows up? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think if they had just stopped at the whole convenience identity yeah. theft business, it would have been great, actually. Despite the weird death mm-hmm. on the back of the thing. You know how much force you would have to use to push that guy's skull through that stupid blunt object oh at a gosh. weird angle? If that thing would have just bent on the back <laughs> of his head. I'm sorry. Yeah. I do really love the final scene at the motel, oh, though. Yeah. Oh, that one's like, oh. I yeah. really liked it because it's it's not just all of the other reasons mm-hmm. that Dean would not question the voice of his father through the phone. It's the fact that now and here in the situation he's in, he's just a scared little kid who needs his dad yep. to help him. So, of course, when John Winchester is on the phone, he he's going to unquestioningly accept that help. And this is how you write dialogue in a scene like this. Yeah. Like, it, it's so good. It doesn't feel fake at all. It feels like Dean's finally opened up. And then once uh, Dean's like, only person who can get me out of this is me. And then Sam says, and me. Dean immediately starts mocking him. Yeah. And being like, and me, I open up and this is all you can say. Like, it was still true to the characters with accepting the, like, vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. It just chef's kiss to this scene. Yeah, no, this scene is great. I think there's something really compelling, too, about the fact that unlike the hello moment Mm -hmm. in the middle of the episode, where Sam suggests saying hello on the phone... (laughs) The and me is small and it's vulnerable as well. And it is powerful, Mm -hmm. um, even as it's succinct. So really this moment is, um, another moment of obfuscation, uh, for Dean of, (laughs) (laughs) gotcha again, of his emotional vulnerability. He's, he's saying like, it's like an acknowledgement that that meant a lot to him that he's like, well, I'm immediately changing this fucking subject because that's too much for me. And like the zoom out and the peace offering of the beer and 
it's just very good. Oh, and the TV in the background. I yeah. didn't even think about like how this whole thing is about like how these things make us not connected, but then they're able to connect with yeah. the with the like yeah. audio in the background is yeah. the way that is comfortable. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's like we're getting back to those endings that are quiet. Yes. Yeah. We've had a, a several of those recently, and I think um, uh, like Ghostfacers notwithstanding, um, and, and I think you know it just works really well for the tone of the episode. I think this this scene and like a couple of the other John phone call scenes really made this episode work. Mm-hmm. The second best scene for me out of the episode. What was your first best? I really like that phone call with John. Oh, yeah, it was really good. That's yeah, fair. the devastating episode overall. Yeah, really. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Prozac. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing getting us through this day. <laughs> hey, it didn't get me through anything. It was one of the ones in the slew of meds that I tried. Oh, I've never not been on it for a long, long time. I'm I'm on Effexor. That's the one. Mm. It's the only one that's ever worked. Add us about what serotonin boosters... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell You're us about wrong. tell us about your serotonin reuptake <laughs> and sponsor us. <laughs> yeah, seriously, I'll I'll take money from Effexor to tell them how great I'm doing. If you could just send me a box of tea, I'll talk about you. Say mine's binge eating. I'll take Oreos. <laughs> mm. Well, uh, <laughs> on that note, on that note, yeah, that got a little whoops. <laughs> you you can tell we were a little emotional about some of this content because we just did not stop talking about like Dean. We rapidly changed the subject. Yes, like Dean, I am rapidly changing the subject <laughs> to the fan fiction. Horny fanfics. This one is pretty horny at times. Oh, I was alley. right on the money at first. I was doing a lot of really wackadoo, horny fanfics because I thought it was funny. Then I got really into trying to work them into the ideas of the episode. So there's been a lot of genfic. There's been a lot of codas. Today we're pulling something from my bookmarks. Woo! Yes. And no, despite the fact that this is all about phone calls, it is not four-letter word for intercourse. Although, if you haven't read that fic by a bending signpost... What are you doing with your life? I thought you were asking us what a four-letter word for intercourse is. No. It's love, Allie. <laughs> it's, it's talk. Talk. Oh. That's actually what the series is called, is talk. talk? Obviously, it's a play on words, because it's also fuck. Uh, are you only just getting that now? Oh, my brain. Allie. <laughs> Please don't obfuscate <laughs> what you're saying <laughs> in any event <laughs> anyone who hasn't read that should read it it's incredible i don't like au fic and i still like it but anyway this one is not that okay i actually spent a lot of time trying to find a fic that centered around the 1519 phone call mm. which i won't give any more details about because they're kind of spoily for people in the room um but i couldn't find anything that i wanted so we're getting this other one about phone calls that I really enjoyed. Oh, I'm curious now. This one is called If It All Fell to Pieces Tomorrow by AO3 user Spockley, who has written some fic that has made me feel extremely insane. Summary is, 
After the empty, Cass has to spend some time alone. Orpheus tries to convince Eurydice over the phone that it's okay to turn around now. So basically, Cass freaks out after being in the empty and goes off alone on the road and is communicating with Dean mostly by the phone the whole time. And as you watch more of the series, you'll see that there's, like, this back and forth between them where a lot of times it's Dean communicating through prayer Mm. to Cass. And a lot of the times it's just them talking on cell phones, which is hilarious because he's, like, a celestial on a cell phone. (laughs) Just the whole concept is so goofy. Always my favorite parts. Yeah. This is rated M. The ship is... Stop. And for minions, I was right. Stop. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Don't talk about minions. <laughs> this is rated M. The ship is Destiel. Additional tags are post-empty rescue, a bunch of guest appearances, John Mulaney voice, this man is a father. It was published uh, last year and has about 43,000 words and just under 10K hits. Damn. So it it is pretty popular, mm-hmm. but I don't see people talking about it as much as I think they should be because mm. it's just great. It's just great. I wish there were more tags so I could tell you more about it. I have a question for you. Sure. You know how we rate things out of five and then make up a thing? Yeah. How horny is this out of five and then oh, a unit? how horny? Yeah. Um... Well, there's at least one. I think there might be like two different phone sex mm-hmm. moments. So I would, I would, I, you know, I give it like a three out of five. Um, celestial boners. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Three out of five celestial boners. I like it. I like the idea of a little Dean and Cass kiss me through the phone moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I was trying to make something about that song work for the one-sentence summary <laughs> for this episode, but I couldn't think of anything that didn't sound like incest. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> so I was like, uh... Jordan, what did you think of this episode? Yes, time to rate. Don't hate me. No, say what you say what you think. Okay, so I hate to say it, mm-hmm. but I thought this episode was kind of a steamer, if I'm being totally honest. Totally fine. Tell, um, us, tell us all about it. Okay. Big three things I hate. Mm-hmm. Of course, the racism. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. I did not mm-hmm. like the inclusion of, like, the younger girl. Could she have been, like, a grad student or something? Yeah. Right. Also, Sam was really unlikable this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, except for that final scene. So I'm going to give it a two. The two are for the two good scenes in this episode mm-hmm. out of five. Calls from Dati. Uh. <laughs> <Thank> you, Allie. <laughs> On that note, um, I'm going to give it... Okay, I'm going to do my addition first and then tell you my total. Mm. So I give it one full point for Dean's emotional vulnerability. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then two full points for those two good scenes. To give it a whopping three out of five reused CGI teeth. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Jasper? Yeah. I think we all knew I was going to rate this the highest out of everyone. I'm going to give it a 3.25 out Mm. of five Chaz. Chaz. (laughs) (laughs) Is it Chaz with a 3.25 Zs? Or threes, technically? Why not? Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, because I think on top of the really 
devastating father-son stuff. Mm-hmm. And this, the scenes that were good, the tone that was set in the beginning, and the play with the dawn of sci-fi and horror um, mm-hmm. from, like, the 19th century it just there was enough there that i was like oh this is fine it's just yeah there's also those glaringly awful things that, like fucking with the pacing and again like the racism going on there yeah we love to assume it's the one south asian guy and not even check him out yeah just try to murder him god but yeah that's that's where it is that's that's Yay. we did it go team Jordan, it's time for you to peer into your crystal ball and predict what's going to happen in episode 15. Minions, minions, Those were peering noises if you didn't get the context clues. Yes. Okay, so I don't have a lot to go off of, <laughs> so I'm just kind of grasping at straws here. What I do know, Dean's on a time limit, and we have the threat of Lilith. That's really all we have right now. Well, now... We've got both of them having a bad attitude. Oh, true. Yes, that is true. So here's the thing. The last two seasons, the finale has been a two-parter. I don't know if we're getting a two-parter again. The pacing of the season makes me feel like we're not. But we don't have a lot of time. And I mean, we have to pull Lilith into this somehow. We have two episodes. Yeah. Like, two episodes? Like That's crazy. Yeah. It's insane. Like, what are they going to fucking do? I'm guessing next episode we're going to have some demons. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll get some demons that, like, actually summon some people Ooh, from, like, the boys' past. That would be cool. That would be cool to, like, kind of... Because here's the thing is, Lilith is going to be coming after Sam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's kind of been established, because Sam is supposedly some kind of player in this overarching story. We've not seen it. Where is it, Sam? <laughs> but... Supposedly Sam's some kind of big player, so I assume Dean is now, like, the focus is going to be on trying to save Dean in his last, I'm guessing now, few weeks at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's going to be interrupted by Lilith, and we're instead going to have to focus on how are we going to save Sam, which in turn is going to cost Dean his life. I think he's going to die this season. Mm-hmm. That's my big prediction. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't wait to see. He's going to die this season, so his little angel boy can come down and resurrect him with his, like, angel wee-wee or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) He just pisses into hell and (laughs) rises deep. I was thinking, like, a rope. Oh, I thought you said demon (laughs) wee. Oh, I said wee-wee. So close. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I just, like, throws it to hell like a rope. Big dick. (laughs) Angelic. His his dick's so big. (laughs) And ropes into hell. I thought you were talking about some kind of angelic water sports, to be honest. Oh, as well, yes. As well. (laughs) Something, something, holy water? I don't know. Oh, yeah, could angels piss on demons? Would that kill them? Is that sanctified water? (laughs) Do angels piss? No, I think it's established in canon that angels don't pee or poo. Um, Do they see? Can they like give them the idea? I would like a pope have to sanctify their balls first. What if they sanctify anyone's balls? Wait, Jordan, is this where ghosts come from? Their ghost cummies? Yeah. Going back to season one. Could like someone sanctify Dean's balls and then he has sex with the demon to kill them? (laughs) 
That would mean. Are you I'd say that if, about? I'd say that if you fuck an angel, your dick gets sanctified. But we all know Dean's a bottom. Oh, so what so if his the- b-hole gets sanctified? Yeah, yeah. A demon would true. Have to fuck him. True. I feel like Dean's okay with that. Yeah. He is. <laughs> Jasper's like I've read up. <laughs> well studied on this subject. I am. I'm a scholar. <laughs> <laughs> well, here you have it. Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural. Or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Erie, Pennsylvania. Bye. 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 Bye.